In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome to this weekly broadcast of The Kingdom and Its Stories. We're so glad that you joined us. And um, and on this particular section, uh, this particular program, we're going to be viewing uh, Eddie from Romania. And um, and Eddie is is a missionary pastor who is um, who is really exemplifying through himself and his family and the church that he leads uh, what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And in this program, what we do is we interview pastors and leaders of churches from America and around the world to help us to understand how they are allowing Jesus to use their hands and feet to be his hands and feet in their families, in their communities, and in their nation. And uh, my co-host is Julian Gibb, Pastor Julian Gibb. And we're, uh, Julian, glad to have you. And Eddie, we're so glad to have you. Eddie Demo and um, and Eddie, uh, welcome all the way from from Albania. Uh, isn't isn't Albania the country that Mother Teresa came from? Correct. That is true. Actually, it's the same country where uh, Mother Teresa came from. It's really interesting to me to look at the history of Albania and, you know, the terrible uh, struggles that you guys have gone through in the communist era. And to realize that, you know, it wasn't too long ago that that one of one of the people who probably was most recognized for being the hands and feet of Jesus uh, in, in India, Mother Teresa, um, and then going through this long, long period um, of, um, of atheism under communism, and now to see the church really emerging in your country. That's so exciting. And so we're so glad to have you with us. Tell us, Eddie, tell us about your, um, about your congregation and uh, what is your vision for the Church of Jesus Christ in your context? Well, thank you so much for letting me be here. I really appreciate that lot. Just wanted to add a little bit about Mother Teresa. Maybe the fact that not many people know is that when her mother and also her sister died here in Albania on the 80s, she tried to enter and to participate in their funeral, but government here in Albania with our dictator didn't allow her, even though it was kind of many people, many presidents and many prime ministers from all over the world tried to ask them to let her come, but she couldn't come on their funeral. I mean, it's a fact that maybe not many people know about that. Wow, wow. (laughs) So uh, you're right, Bob, that um, Albania has experienced some very darkened part of the history. And before I mention a little bit about 
your question to give a little bit of a background. Uh, it's important for people to understand what we are doing and why we are doing. So as a country, we have been under darkness since in the 14th century, when the Ottoman Empire came here and brought Islam. For a long period of time, they stayed here for more than 550 years. And not only that, but right after the Second World War, communism was established in Albania and got very worse here until 1967, when our dictator declared Albania to be the first world officially atheistic state. They totally destroyed any religion, including Islam, and Albania was was like that until 1991, when the wave of freedom came in our country after more, almost 600 years of total darkness. So just to let you know that we belong to the first generation of Christians in, uh, in our country. So the church is very young here. It's just like in the book of Acts. So it's the first, uh, first generation Christians, first generation church. A lot of things are unknown to us. But uh, we know one thing for sure, that the Bible, that is the word of God, commands us to be aligned in this word, to be the aroma of Christ. So in many ways, we have tried to live a life that will be giving glory to the Lord and will be a light and an example in, in a place that has been with the darkness for a long period of time. Tell us again, it, where is Albania referred to in the New Testament? Actually, it's in Romans 15, 19, mentioned with the name Illyricum. That's the ancient Illyricum. name for Albania. No kidding. Wow. So, and that's yeah. why, actually, we are calling our organization Illyricum Movement. Because okay. we want to see the gospel coming here in Albania the same way as it came during the first century. So, Eddie, so the, uh, Albania was under darkness, as you say, for centuries. Um, and then uh, the communists uh, banned any form of religion. So how did you come to Christ? Tell us a little bit about your story. Actually, as uh, a lot of Albanians, uh, when communism came, uh, left here in 1991, I was a kid at the time. I was about 13 years old. I never heard the word God because actually even in the schools was totally forbidden to say something, even the word God, you would be looked at suspicious and people will, I mean, you'll have very difficult life. So nobody talked about God. Uh, and what, what was interesting is that when communism left here, Americans were among the first who came in Albania to preach the gospel. And by the way, I just want to take advantage of this uh, interview and say thank you to Americans who have sent the uh, daughters and sons of their own country all mm. over the world to make Christ known. And because of, uh, because of their faithfulness, here I stand today. So uh, Americans were the first who came to Albania, shared the gospel, actually through Jesus Film, a documentary made out of the Gospel of Luke. I saw that and it was very interesting because I saw somebody died and rose again there. And I never heard that before, that somebody died and rose again. And what was more interesting is that these people that showed the movie, they really believed that this was a true event that happened in history. So I was, it not only that, everyone else was very surprised. Yeah, it wasn't no, just it was like story. for the first time, it was they for the first it. time to hear with our ears, somebody died wow. and rose again. Wow. <laughs> so I went back home and as I was excited, I shared with my family what I've experienced. And uh, I, for the first time I hear from my grandmother that we come from a Muslim background. I never heard that before either. 
So as you can imagine, when Albania was open, even Muslims started to come back to Albania with a hope to bring back Islam. And I thought to myself, I want to know God. And uh, I discovered I come from a Muslim background. So it made more sense to me to follow God via Islam. I mean, these Christians were nice people, but didn't connect it with me because my background, I discovered I come from Muslim background. So I started to attend a mosque during that period of time. I started to, uh, I was eager to know about God. So I started to uh, read Quran, started to get very much involved in a mosque. This lasted for about two years. And what happened is that in all this period of time, I still had in the, in, in the picture that I had about the death and the resurrection of Christ from that movie stayed with me. And I couldn't get rid of that. And what was interesting, in 1993, I started to have some questions about Jesus. And I got a New Testament, started to read that. I got some people that started to address questions to them. And slowly, it took some months before God opened my eyes so that I came to know him as Lord and Savior. And uh, it was by the end of 993 that I believed in Jesus Christ. And since that period of time, I had a great desire to make Christ known, not only uh, to my family, but to everyone, because there was no greater news that you can give to somebody other than the death and the resurrection of Christ for salvation. So, Eddie, how how has Christ changed you? I mean, I realize you were only sort of you know a, a teenager uh, when Christ came to you, but how has it changed you? and how you view life and what you do with your life. You know, Julian, I grew up since when I was by the end of 15, 16 years old, I came to know the Lord and I I grew up and with, with, with God's word. And I was very blessed to have people around me who would take care, good care spiritually of me. And I started to memorize verses and I started to live by this precious book. And uh, the changes were that I could I could see myself, for example, in my high school. I was probably in, in about uh, 2,000 students that we were in high school. Maybe we were like three or four Christians at that period of time. But I, I saw the way that the other people lived and the way that the Bible has installed in my heart different desires, totally different than what the world around me had as a teenager. So my hard desire was to honor the Lord, to be careful with the way of talking, be uh, compassion with people, love even those who will hate you. Because I got some people uh, from my previous belief that didn't like me. You know, I was for about two years in Islam. And since when I left Islam, I had some kind of, uh, I, I couldn't call them enemies, but people who didn't like me. So, and, and, and I prayed for them and I, I, I asked the Lord to love them. So God has put those kind of, uh, I would say, uh, natural for regarding belief in Christ, fruits, you know, these, these became the fruits in, in, in my life with, with him, to love something that was uh, not normal to love. Eddie, uh, you, uh, you talked about the movement Elecrium, and um, what is that movement? I mean, is it, is it just you and your family, or do you have other people involved? Describe what the movement is and then tell us, what is the vision? What is the vision for this movement? 
Well, um, when I graduated from my university, I uh, I started to uh, serve with Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, okay. For it was the year two thousand and one, and I served full time with them together with my wife until two thousand and twelve. So I was full time with them, and I've been ministered to many students in Albania, but not only, also in other Muslim countries. But deep down in my heart, I had a great uh, desire to see Albanian churches being planted and established in Albania. It was wonderful to do what we were doing with the students. But, you know, what about other ages? What about the Church of Christ in, in this country? So together with a group of people, after sowing this big need, we were all indigenous Albanians. We created, decided to create Illyricum movements as an organization that focuses on planting and establishing local churches, especially among Muslim people. Our vision and desire is to go in the area that doesn't have a church. And by fulfilling the needs of the community of that area, we evangelize the people. And as they come, Lord willing to, to believe in Jesus, we disciple them. And from this group of people, we try to distinguish the future potential leaders of that church. And after training them in a specific and, uh, and, and doctrine and in ministry, we appoint them to be the elders of that church. You and know, when I, that process is. I, I'm really interested uh, the way you began your description of the movement. You said, you didn't say, we go into a community and plant a church. You said, we go into the community and we see what the needs of the community are. And then as we meet the needs of the community, you implied that a church grows from that, meeting those needs. And as right. a as a pastoral trainer for many years and seeing church planning all over the world, this, I think, is the most effective way to advance God's kingdom is not go proclaiming first, but go and demonstrating the love of God so that when you do proclaim, People listen because there's a credibility that you've built by meeting the needs of the community. Is that is that reflect an accurate reflection of what you just said? Actually, that is true because our desire is to be alongside these people and show them the love of Christ, not only with words, but be really the hands of uh, and the feet of Jesus, just like you have described it. Uh, for example, one of the things that we did recently, it was with the COVID situation that um, uh, by the grace of God, we have been able to uh, help with food packages about 10,000 families uh, in, in the area by uh, because it was very uh, strict. 10,000 families. It was very uh, isolated situation here in Albania in the beginning in, in the month of uh, March and April. So and many people lost their jobs. So we saw the biggest need would be this. And by the grace of God, God has, uh, we started with small things and God little by little added a lot of help from people all around the world who contributed with that. Not only that, but also for children. We know that the children are the future of a country. And uh, helping them, educating them, because also the education here in Albania, it's not very high level. So we try to educate them, teaching them English, for example, guitar, piano, drama, and in this mm. way, bringing the Jesus to them. Also, another aspect is with the families, uh, uh, because we are a culture under construction, if I can mention that word. Uh, because we are a, a culture under under construction, 
also marriage uh, has uh, has difficulties here in Albania. Coming from a country where communism would not allow actually divorce to happen in Albania, almost it was zero the rate of divorce during the communism time. So the government would not allow you during the communism time to divorce. And now immediately in a short period of time, the rate of divorce went too high. And a lot of families are in chaos, like what to do. I mean, how to have a strong marriage and, and a strong family. So we've been also alongside this, uh, alongside these families training about how to raise children, how to have a better marriage. So practical things. We've helped uh, people uh, also find jobs. For example, we have trained babies how to uh, uh, have courses about how to cook or how to sew. So in this way, we have uh, been able to uh, to help them. So in this way, bringing the gospel has been very efficient. It, yeah, it sounds to me like from from your description, your DNA is to be Jesus' hands and feet. I mean, it, it, it sounds like the, excuse me, my phone is Eddie, how, how, many, how many people, it took about 10,000 meals. How many yeah. people are in your church? Well, uh, in our church, actually, it's different than in U.S. We've got more people who are not believers than people who are believers because usually it takes a lot of time for people to come to know the Lord. And before they do that, they come attend church. They hear about the gospel. They We have a saying here, people here sometimes get discipled before they get evangelized. <laughs> so... Um, I mean, people want to make sure that what you are saying is a, is a truth. So we've got about, um, in, in the church that I'm currently uh, serving, which is a very young church, it's about uh, uh, less than uh, uh, two years, so about 15, uh, 15 months as a church that has been planted in this area. We've got about 96 uh, adults that are believers, and uh, we've got about 120 uh, children, teenagers that are believers. So They're this not- is not including the non 96. Not including the non-believers. So. I see, I see. Okay, okay. So so I'm guessing like you've probably got a couple of hundred people in total, uh, believers, non-believers. And yet those 100 people, they, they provided 10,000 meals. Well, because uh, we didn't involve also only Christians in this, uh, yeah. in this uh, wow. uh, way. So we involved a lot of families and a lot of people who have uh, been to the church, who have an interest about God, but also families who have been receiving help and they wanted to help others. So we have created kind of a chain of help with different people. So you've been, been, Jesus has been working through you then to craft a community around you through Christians to non-Christians and involving them within his mission. That is true. Actually, um, when they see that you are helping them and when they see that your help is sincere, they want also, a lot of them want to contribute also to other families and be a help to other people as well. So for those of you who have just turned in, um, I just want to remind you that you're listening to this week's edition of the Kingdom and Stories. And we're glad to have you with us. And in this program, we interview leaders, Christian leaders, church leaders, from around the world who are discipling their people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And with us this week, we have Eddie Demo from Albania, who is leading a, a movement of, of, of people to 
to be just that, the hands and feet of Jesus. So, Eddie, um, I have a question for you. Okay, you talked about, you've talked about how you have motivated your people to do that. Have you got a story? And you, I know I didn't prepare you for this, but have you got a story of how you and your family have reached out and been the hands and feet of Jesus? Well, we've got uh, in our life as missionaries, we've got a lot of stories that maybe I don't know how many programs uh, will be available to share. To share well, just tell us one. But um, yes, I will tell you. I will tell you one. Actually, uh, we have been uh, planting till now in five years uh, as a family. We've been planting five churches uh, by ourselves, uh, not including the others. Uh, so there have been a lot of other churches that, by the grace of God, has been planted in, in this region, and not only in Albina, but also in other uh, Muslim areas. But one story that I want to tell you, it's about a family, actually, that has been in very difficult conditions. And um, uh, it was the desire of our, our two children that currently are 13 and 10 that uh, wanted to uh, help with the savings and provide food for this family. So mm. it was their initiative, actually. They have talked together, and uh, they gave almost every uh, everything that they had gathered to help mm. this family. And by the grace of God, this uh, uh, lady that was a widow with uh, two sons, they were grown up, but with some disabilities, they came to know the Lord as a result mm. of that. So just, I mean, just a little story about this, that how the Lord has used not only us as a family, but also our children that had a compassion for people. So did you encourage your children to do that? Or did, was that just a spontaneous response? No, it was spontaneous. It was very spontaneous, their desire. Actually, they have talked together. So 13 and 10-year-old talk together. And, and it wasn't just 10% of their savings. It wasn't just 10% of their savings. It was all of their no, savings. They gave, all, they gave <laughs> everything. <laughs> Praise yes, the Lord. They gave everything. That's, that's wonderful. Eddie, Eddie, what what powers you, what powers your, your, your family to continue loving people? As you said, you know, that you're called to, to love your uh, your enemies. Things. But, you know, you, you work a lot. <laughs> You're constantly uh, very entrepreneurial, looking for ways to help other people. What what keeps you going, Eddie? Julian, in the Bible, uh, Lord uh, gave us a book, and in that book, we've got uh, uh, we, we've got what we need to to have. And beside that, we've got only one life to live. And uh, we need to leave it uh, as a way that we can live, uh, uh, that we can be the aroma of Christ in this world. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing else that I wanted. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yes. Okay. So there's nothing else that I wanted to do with my life or with my family's life other than to uh, to be the aroma of Christ. As I said, we've got one life to live and life goes fast. We can either waste it or we can either invest it in the lives of people through really being the hands and the feet of Jesus. God gave us the Bible, which is the precious book. And in the Bible, he instructs us to live as the citizens of heaven, just temporarily being in this earth. 
So Bob, that's motivated. Bob, I, I know we haven't got much time, but I have to, I have to ask this question. Eddie, in, in America at the moment, we're very uh, divided along uh, you know, racial lines. There's a lot of hate. We're very tribal. You're either this political party or that political party. You know, you're, you're either in this group and that group. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's, there's not much love going around here at the moment. What advice would you give to America? Uh, I would, uh, the only advice or the only thing that I would say to the people is turn toward the Lord and invest your life because you are not going to live in this planet forever. So there is not much time to hate each other. There's no much time to uh, divide with other people, but we really need to focus and invest our lives because we are all visitors in this planet and we really need to look up to the creator. Amen, Eddie. Thank you so much. And for all of us who are participating in this interview, as well as those who are listening, we want to encourage all of us to ask the Lord, Lord Jesus, open our eyes. Help us to see where we can be your hands and your feet this week. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.